Welcome to the Leadership Forum. We call this the Leadership Forum. Where we discuss leaders and followers. It's not a political trick. This episode is a repeat of the live session that happens on Monday's mid-morning show with Omboy Mboro. Every once in a while we have to talk about some uh, issues that affect all of us. Featuring the Bishop of Christ is the Answer Ministries, Bishop David Oginde. There are things that one can be able to do in order for them to be able to gets to where they want to go. The Leadership Forum. Leadership Forum, only on Hope FM. Listen and live. Right now, the Leadership Forum is happening. And this happens every alternate Mondays here at Hope FM with Bishop of Christ is the Answer Ministries, Bishop David Uginde joining us. And today we talk about the environmental factors that go towards the making of destructive leadership. You can be part of our discussion today by writing a text to the SMS number 20933 or then the Twitter handle at Hope On Air. We will get it one way or the other. Uh, what were we talking about? I was eager to get going on on a question. Let, let me ask my question and then I can look at who else is asking questions. My question was, how does one culture become this and the other becomes that? I'm especially interested in this to avoidance of uncertainty as a culture uh, in contrast to the culture that wants to venture, wants to innovate, is not avoiding uncertainty. How do we become that as cultures? Wow. Uh, cultures, you know, are uh, practices that have built up over the years. Mm. So how it may have started or not, we, we may not tell. But uh, this this is something that even as you are growing up, you are being taught, you are being told. And so it gets ingrained in your system, and that's how culture perpetuates itself. You'll find, for example, in uh, and culture can be changed or transformed. Yes. Yeah. So it is not like it's permanent, but it builds. <laughs> and pensionable. It's and pensionable. not. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. it, it builds over time. All right. You will see, for example, like uh, the uncertainty avoidance that we have talked about. Uh, taking Africa as an example, where that is prevalent as a culture, as a way of uh, looking at life, you'll find that the younger generation are gradually moving from that. Why? Because of exposure to other cultures. Mm. So as we interact with other cultures, we find that some of the things we fear, there is no need to fear. You know, so the you'll find the younger generation uh, are more adventurous, they are more um, explorative, they are more creative, innovative, simply because they have interacted with other cultures through social media, through uh, other mainstream media and so on. So the culture is actually being transformed. So now, for example, again, you go back even to something like I talked about witchcraft. You'll find that the younger generation are not given so much to that because the explanations behind them do not make sense to them. You know, when you say now, if you do this, this will happen to you, uh, it doesn't ring, you know, in their spirits, in their hearts. And so they are more willing to, to try things out. Whatever happens, happens. 
so you find that even for us now, the, that culture is changing, is being transformed because of our exposure to other cultures, to other ways of life. But how it came about, one cannot quite tell. But because the world was closed in, the culture passes from one generation to another. Mm. That's, I think that's the best I would say. All right. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't it... Um I'm thinking in terms of, uh, the, I don't know why this one, I'm stuck with the avoidance of uncertainty. Maybe I really don't like uncertainty too much myself. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm asking all these questions. So that I, I'm thinking it's a human. The, this hierarchy of needs, uh, Abraham something. Maslow, you taught us Maslow. that. Yes, yeah. Maslow. Yes. Wouldn't he look at it in terms of every human being wanting some sort of security? Yes, security is actually second second level mm. in the hierarchy of need. Yes, but you see, the, the, it it's it's a very basic. It is. It's very basic. It is second level. It means that the only other thing that uh, is lower is uh, food, shelter, exactly. all those things. Mm. Yeah, which is at the bottom of needs. So security is the second level uh, of needs, while there are other things further ahead. So when a person overcomes the need for security, then the issue of uncertainty avoidance doesn't come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they become more adventurous, uh, seeking the higher level uh, needs. Mm. To meet the higher level needs. You cannot meet the higher level needs if you are insecure. Yes. You, yes. And you, now talking about how that you can transform a mm. culture, mm. like in an individual setup, mm. even. Bishop, now let's come to matters faith, the faith that you and yes, I share yes, yes. in Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I guess I, I guess to quite some degree we our faith grows as a result of facing up to uncertainties in life. Yeah. So I'm not even too happy that some people can avoid uncertainty without faith. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to use that I do, to I do not the gospel to them. I do not know. That is that actually also explains why you'll find that the when people move from uncertainty, mm. avoidance, where they they are no longer afraid of the future or mm. the unknown, mm. they tend to have less faith, even on spiritual matters. And I'm not happy. You are not happy, but it is reality. <laughs> <laughs> So then, because our faith should not be in God as a source of security. Mm. Our faith should be in God because he is God. You know? Yes. He's not just God to protect us from uh, dangers. He's not just God to answer our uncertainties. He is God because he is God and we love him because we love him. 
a starting but, point for many people is as a as a refuge, a place yes. we can run to. But you see, now that is where Karl Marx comes in and says uh, is the opium of the people. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that you know, one alone. No, it, it, uh, I think you're asking a very fundamental question. Let's talk about uh, it. Yeah, which may not be related to what we are saying here, yes. but very significant because we have tended to preach the gospel uh, as, as an answer to needs and uncertainties mm-hmm. so that when people therefore get beyond the place where they have needs and uncertainties they don't find the gospel relevant mm. Mm. so we as the preachers are the culprits god does not in fact jesus the last thing he said is that in this world you will have trouble true but our preaching is that in this world you will not have trouble if you're in christ so people run to Christ as a source of refuge, as a place of avoiding uncertainty. But now when they grow out of that place Crisis. where they are afraid of mm. anything, mm. they leave Christ alone because he's no longer relevant. So you find people who are financially secure, people who are socially secure, people who are, you know, all those secu- uh, securities tend not to take Christ or Christianity seriously. Why? Because we presented to them an answer to their uncertainties. But now I'm no longer uncertain. Mm. I know my, uh, my bank account is okay. You know, <laughs> I have invested enough to take care of me for the next several years. So why do I need God? Why do I need Jesus? So that is something that we have to address as preachers of the gospel because Jesus did not just come to uh, sort out our uncertainties. Jesus called us into a relationship with him. Whether we are rich or poor, whether we know the future or not, we enter into a relationship with him that has eternal value and consequences. And it has nothing... uh, These other things, you know, the uncertainties, Mm. are added advantages. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Mm. So they are byproducts, they are are fringe benefits, but they are not the focus of our faith and should not be the focus of our faith. Mm. Otherwise, that is how we are losing the gospel. That's why you are finding, in, especially in Western countries where they, they, have, they have financial, economic uh, certainties and security, where they have, uh, the, the, the actual security of, from dangers has been taken care of and all those other things, sicknesses and diseases have been taken care of. Why do they need God? But for us in Africa, because those things are real, and God is offered as the solution then we run there good and bad Mm. good in the sense that it is true God is our refuge in times of trouble but we don't go to God simply because he can give us that refuge we go to God because we want a relationship with him 
he offers us a relationship. The restoration of that which was lost at the Garden of Eden. It had mm-hmm. nothing to do with security and sicknesses and disease. Okay. I don't know whether it makes sense. Yes. Because for me, it is so... The reason I've taken it from your mouth mm-hmm. and your lips is because it is so fundamental to the preaching of the gospel. We, in my view, have distorted... Mm. the focus of the gospel. So the gospel today is come and be healed. Come and receive your miracle. Come and be uh, blessed. Come and prosper. Come and, you know, it appeals to our uncertainty avoidance uh, culture, (laughs) (laughs) but it is not the gospel. Okay. It is not the gospel. Those are byproducts. Those are fringe mm. benefits. Yes, when you come to Jesus, you'll find healing. Yes, if you come to Jesus, he will bless you. Yes, if you come to Jesus and those things. But that is not the core of the gospel. Mm. No. The gospel is... Come and be part of my kingdom. Mm. The yeah. kingdom of God is the at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. That actually is the gospel. That is the gospel. Mm. <laughs> Okay, the kingdom of God. Because when this young right. man comes to Jesus mm. and Jesus confronts him with the need to remove his foundation for his eternity, he takes off. The, the rich. The rich young the man. The rich young ruler. Yeah. Mm. When he's told to keep the commandments, he has no problems. No. Yeah. Those I have kept since I was a young man. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no there. problem. Yeah. But when Jesus now tells him, go and sell all you have and come and follow me. If prosperity is what people are coming to Jesus for, he this man, did. Did, he already did. He, he already prosperous. had everything, was yes. prospered. Yes. But Jesus said, no, that is not it. Come, go now, sell that and come mm. and follow me. He is put in this place of uncertainty. Mm. What is going to happen to me after I sell my things? No, that's not then He says, no, if that's the case, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone. Because yeah. the very foundation of his security was being removed by Jesus. And that is what Jesus does. You will find many people can testify. Mm. And not a very good thing to say publicly. But it's the reality. that many people come to Jesus and... When they come to Jesus, it's like all hell broke loose That's true. on them. Mm. And they are thinking, I came thinking that God would put a hedge of protection around, around me, me. And now everything seems to be falling apart. Why? Because God wants to remove all those props, all those other things that you are trusting in, so that you can now have a clean relationship with him. Mm. Job's friend, I can go on and on. The same story. Their concept of the gospel is that if you are in Christ and you are walking with God, everything will be okay. So when things are falling apart like they are falling apart for Job, something must be wrong somewhere. That was their gospel. Mm. Yeah, something must just search your heart. These kind of things don't just happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that was the devil's gospel in heaven. Doesn't Job just love you Mm. because of the things you have given him? You remove and you'll see. Remove and you'll see. But Job had found a different foundation to his faith. 
Wow. Though he slays me, yet we I will trust in him. Yeah. That is now the gospel. Wow. That is the gospel. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for giving me opportunity to preach. You seem to have <laughs> wanted to preach. That no, I, I, it, 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 just, it, just, it just came because it's been on I, your mind, though. Just, yeah, it is. It is a very, mm. uh, it's a very unfortunate thing when we are seeing it in our society today. I hear you. Uh, preachers are, are totally distorted the gospel. They are selling a gospel that was not the reason. Jesus did not go to the cross to give us money. No. Jesus did not die so that we can be rich. And comfortable. No, and comfortable. No. Okay. No. I see. <laughs> I see. Thank yes. you. I get it. You get it. How did we divert? No, we were talking about this uncertainty avoidance. Yes. And the, <laughs> and the fact that if we remove the uncertainty, then people will not become Christians. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. People should love God even when there's no uncertainty. Yeah. Okay. So you'll find that in, in this kind of a place, bad leaders exploit followers for their need for security mm. and their need for... So they provide structures and systems and values and rituals and rules that speak into that need and people will allow them you know will allow them why are why is it that in africa a person can be president for 20 years 30 years and we still elect them why I, when we went to the break, I was saying, better the devil you know. Mm. That is our default mode. Yes. You go to many, organize, not organizations, chamas and mm. societies and so on. And when time for electing new leaders come, they say, let them just continue. Mm. They, were already, they, were doing a they were doing a good job. Let them continue. Why? Because we don't, want, we don't know who else... Will we'll come, come and what yes. they might do, yes. <laughs> you know. So uh -huh. let let them just continue. Uncertainty, avoidance, and that is how bad leaders then take advantage of those kind of situations and move people into a place of dictatorship. Uh, they become despots and and so on. All right. Yeah. That's clear. That's clear. That's clear. Then we talked about the, I, I think we have talked about power distance. Yes. The fourth one yes. is uh, the fourth environmental factor, because we have talked about three. So the fourth one is absence of checks and balances. Uh, it's Lord Acton who said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one of the American, uh, what is its name? The name has just gone. I think it's not Lincoln. One of them said, mm. if you want to test a man, give them power. That is what will tell you the, 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 the kind of a person that person is. There's a sense in which power 
even for the very best of us tends to corrupt mm. so power has to be managed power has to be contained just like any other power electric power is good but it has to be contained it has to be that's why we have switches uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we have oscillations oh. you know because when if you meet with raw electric power you are dead yeah yeah so the power is has to be contained it is mm. the same with any other power you know water power when it comes and is not controlled it will destroy houses and buildings and carry things out away you know like in mozambique like in mozambique in other places so power has always to be channeled and controlled and managed the same with power to rule or power to lead that power has to be controlled and this is what we call checks and, and balances that you All know right. so that you have insulations you have switches so that yes. you can put off this power if you don't need it yes. and so on yes within an organizational setup that is critical because if you don't do that then abuses of absolute power definitely emerges mm. and we see it in organizations we see it in churches mm. we see it in in uh, in nations when power is not controlled the best of us becomes terrible destructive mm. leaders mm. yeah so every organization must put in place systems and structures that minimize the dangers of unilateral control by the leader so strong organizations must have strong institutional structures that can counter abuses of power that is important so don't just think oh our pastor is good or oh, our bishop is great uh or oh, our president is good uh our chief is wonderful those people just get a little time and they'll start <laughs> abusing power yeah it is a human nature is a human tendency mm. so good people become bad people without checks and balances without checks and balances so checks and balances is uh the lack of it can create uh, absence of checks and balances can create an environment within which uh destructive leadership then comes up so good governance this is where governance comes in mm -hmm. good governance requires that multiple organs have independent authority and responsibility to check one another or check each other and limit the powers of each other so any organization must have a system through which every person is accountable to another all right that is the only way you can uh, avoid abuse of power Mm. every organization you must have a system where each person in the system is answerable 
to another. another. Yeah. And you say that the strength of the organization also demands an equivalent strength of such checks. Yes. An organization will be as strong as those checks. Mm. Yeah. And I think I've said it here before. Yeah. No one in the organization, even the top leader, should be in a place where they are not answerable to, to anybody. Else. Yeah. And the same goes with the organs, not just the persons. Mm -hmm. Organs also can be ab can abuse uh, their power. So yes. organs must also be answerable to other Another organs. Organ. Yes. That, that, that is, then you have uh, a good system where you don't end up with destructive leadership. Mm. Yeah. What we have seen, if I come to our own country, for example, the structure that we have in place for our uh, national governance is that we have three organs. We have the judiciary, we have the parliament, and we have the executive. Now, these three are supposed to check one another so that there is no abuse of power in any of them. Unfortunately, I must say that the legislature now, uh, for a long time, the abuse of power was mainly in the, in the executive, which has since been uh, quite well checked and made accountable. But now parliament mm. has turned out to be the new dictator in town. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? Because parliament, you know, has parliament is supposed to be checked by the executive and, the and by the judiciary. Yes, you have seen situations where the judiciary calls the MPs to account on matters and decisions they have made, and they say the judiciary cannot uh, check us. We are above. Uh, you know, so they are, they are summoned upon uh, the issues that they, they have discussed or things that they have done. And uh, sometimes they threaten that they are going to either uh, deny them money in the budget or they are going to, you know, that kind of a threat removes the checks and balances. And so you will find a situation where parliamentarians seem to get away with whatever they want to do. And there's nobody who can check them. If you go, for example, to the issue of money, the executive is supposed to set salaries, structures, and systems that then members of parliament can follow. Mm. That is a check. It's a good check? It's a good check so that they are not setting their own salaries. salaries. Now, when you dismiss that and you say we are not going to submit ourselves to that, then you remove checks and balances and you tend towards destructive leadership. Um, so even organs within an organization must be answerable to other organs so that there are checks and balances. What do you do in, in a situation like you're now referring to in this country where mm. the, the organs that are supposed to check one another, something goes wrong? What, where do we go from there? You see, in an ideal setting, and we don't have very ideal settings. Anywhere? In, 
yeah, it's difficult to have ideal setting. But in an ideal setting, let's, yes. let me take an organization, for example. Yeah. An organization checks and balances should come from uh, save the, the staff mm-hmm. are answerable to the CEO. All right. The CEO mm-hmm. is Absolutely. answerable to the board. Uh-huh. Okay. And the board is answerable to the shareholders. Oh. You see? Uh, I, I really know where after board we would go. Is <laughs> <laughs> a shareholder. Is a shareholder. Okay. So you see, that gives a full circle uh, uh, accountability. Mm. So that the board cannot be rogue in terms of now doing whatever they want. And the CEO cannot be rogue in terms of doing whatever he or she wants. And so are the staff. So that gives you a system of checks and balances mm. uh, that then helps the organization to be kept in check. When you bring it to national level, it is the same. The, the various organs of government are supposed to check one another. Now, at the higher level, then the members, the shareholders of the government mm. are the people. That's why we have elections every five years. Yes. So that shareholders speak. The shareholders now speak and right. say we are not happy with the way you ran uh, yes. the system in the last five years. So we are getting new people. Now, but we come to what we were talking about a little earlier. The avoidance of uncertainty. And avoidance of uncertainty. <laughs> so we take the same people back. Just and they continued exactly what with what they have been doing. Hmm. But we also have another thing there, which is the 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 power distance, which mm. is also at play, because now in our context, the power distance is the latitude that you give between different status. So we have given so much latitude to those people who are in leadership. Yes that we are just subjects. So even when we are given opportunity to now check our leaders through elections, we still are victims to whatever they say. So they come back and tell us, oh, this, this, and the other, and we end up taking them back. Those are the ones who know. They are the ones who know. (laughs) So we have this vicious cycle then in which we keep getting bad leaders and keep getting destructive leaders and we keep putting them on. And that's why you find in our context in in the continent, we have so many destructive leaders, whether it is in the home, in the in the organizations, or even mm. at national level. So but the ideal setting would be what we had described. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That would help us to check these people. But does it always mean that if people are electing the same person, if if indeed the elections are free and fair, does it always mean that a, a lack of, an avoidance of uncertainty? I'm thinking no, of a, if, if, a, if, a totally different culture a different somewhere ca- that just returned a leader for... It, it, because they are good. Yes, they because they are good, and I you guess. will see it. They will not abuse their power. A 
And those kind of people usually would retain the power to recall. Mm. Yeah. You are seeing it in Britain playing out there. I mean, for the last several years, mm. we have seen uh, British prime ministers being recalled, resigning, and yeah. so on. Yeah. That is checks and balances. Those are checks and balances. Yeah. I was actually thinking of Israel and the Prime Minister. Yes. Who just got re-elected. If, if we re-elect, I'm not saying that every time we re-elect a person is because we are avoiding uncertainty. No. We can elect a person consciously being happy that this person has done a good job and therefore we want them to continue. That is not a problem. Should they prove otherwise midway, we can recall them. all right so that is totally different but we are just saying that where people avoid uncertainty the likelihood that they will end up with same leaders is much higher okay yeah all right the likelihood that they will go back to the default mode is much higher okay yeah all right finally let me mention something here that is very interesting on number four we are still in. We are still in number four. Oh, and checks and balances. Checks and balances. Oh. This is what he called uh, the uh, checks and balances are such that you have systems structures for decision making. You have system structures for ensuring that whoever is the leader doesn't go beyond their boundaries. Now there are two problems that we we sometimes can end up with in mm. organizations particularly. We can end up with a situation where the checks and balances themselves become a problem so that the organization cannot move forward because you can hardly make a decision. They're too rigid? Too rigid. Ah. The systems are too rigid. The systems are, are too uh, uh, do not allow for freedom. You know? Yeah. To, to make decisions and to to explore, you know. Uh, so you could end up in that situation where then the organization is, the leadership is stifled and cannot take the organization to the next level because you have too many rules. The Pharisees, that was their problem. Too many rules, you can hardly move to the left or to the right mm. because... You turn this way, you have broken rule number six. You turn the other <laughs> way, you have broken number 240. Yes. Yeah. You know? So you, you, you can hardly move. And such an organization will die eventually because it can't go far. To die of suffocation. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I hear you. <laughs> because the leader cannot make decisions yeah. because mm. their hands are tied every place they turn. Now, on the other side mm. is a situation where there are systems and structures uh, that give a lot of leeway to the leader uh, under the uh, under the what what we would call discretion. Mm. So there are rules, but these rules also have clauses for discretion, so that the leader can uh, use their discretion when they are taking a decision. All right. Now, when discretion is too much, it can also lend towards uh, abuse of power. Yes. And abuse of authority. All right. So discretion, which is the degree to which a, a, a leader has freedom 
to make decisions or to go beyond what is stipulated. Yes. So you have rules, you have regulations, you have guidelines, you have policies, but the leader is given room for discretionary judgment. Now, when leaders are given that kind of too much of that discretion, again, you can end up with abuse of power. Mm, yeah, that I can see. You can see that. I can see that. So that is another area. So you want rules and regulations, checks and balances that are balanced. <laughs> <laughs> you, the balance must really work. Yes, so that you are not too much on the rule side and you are not too much on the discretion side. Mm. But just enough that gives you, it's like the lines on the uh, on the road, mm. you know, the white lines Yes, uh, on the road, they give you guidelines as to where you should be driving Yes, so that you leave room for other people to also drive on the other lane and on the other lane. But they are only drawn. Mm. They are not fixed. Mm. So you can cross over mm. There's at no discretion. There's no there, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine if that was that line was a wall. Bus. <laughs> Bus. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrible. It would be terrible. Yes. So because if a car is broken down ahead of you, or if a car is slower than you, there's nothing you can do about it. You are stuck. You are behind them. You can't overtake. You got their speed. You can't overtake. You are stuck behind them. Yeah. Now, Strict rules are like walls, you know, rather than the are, lines. Rather than the lines. Uh, rules, uh, discretionary rules, are such that you can go over them, you can overtake, you can bypass when necessary. Yes. But you know when you are crossing the line. Yes. You know that now I am crossing the line, and you know when you are crossing a yellow line. You know, when you are crossing a broken line, mm. you know, when you are crossing a solid line and you know what they mean. Yes. So if you crossed a yellow line, a straight yellow line, you know you're on the wrong. Mm. So if you are taken to account and say you crossed the yellow line, you have no excuse. You yes. know, you, uh, yeah, I, I crossed, but it was because it was wrong. So yeah. if but if you can explain why you crossed, there was a vehicle that was broken down. Yeah. On my lane. Mm. Now, I couldn't just stop there because there's a yellow line. That's why I took... I discretion. The, you, 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 it was at your discretion. It was at your discretion. Yes. Yeah. All right. Mm. So that is uh, something that many organizations also find, find difficult. So finally, maybe so we have when questions. these checks and balances are happening, the CEO... How much involvement should the CEO have? In what? In the checks, in the laying down of checks and balances. Checks and balances are drawn at different levels. There are policy issues. Mm. Policy issues should be made or designed at the highest level. So in an organization that is properly structured like the one I described, mm -hmm. The members, the shareholders, would give broad guidelines as to what they expect, you know? Yes. Then the next level is the board. The board then would draw policies and the guidelines for 
the running, the day-to-day -day running of the organization. Now, the CEO mm. would also draw guidelines for his staff on how he expects things to, to happen. So, right. they are all drawn at different levels. Okay. So, may, the, the main direction, uh, the, the, the vision, the mission, and all that usually is drawn by the shareholders or the owners of the company. This is where we want to go. Uh, then the CEO and the board would draw practice, policy issues, how what we do, what we cannot do, and mm -hmm. that kind of how we operate. They, they draw those, those uh, guidelines. Mm. Yeah. And, and they should check one another. They check one another. All right. Right. Like the CEO can check the board. The CEO generally would not check the board. You don't check upwards. <laughs> you check downwards. But you advise the board. Or can advise the, the board. The CEO can advise the board. Yeah. Because the CEO generally is the person who is on the ground on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. What we didn't say is that board members should not be staff, should not be people who are within the organization in terms of working mm. because then it brings conflict of interest. Yes. Yeah. You cannot draw uh, policy guidelines which are going to affect you. Yes. You cannot operate on yourself. I mean, in terms of going do surgery on yourself. Yes. It, it becomes painful. You don't do it. So people who are setting policies must be outside of those policies. So a board should comprise of people who are not members of the staff team. Mm. And those are the people who will then draw policies that will run the organization. Now, the CEO would be part of that board, but the CEO then now is an implementer. Yes. But where he becomes an advisor is that seeing what is happening on the ground, yeah. seeing the challenges that we may be facing as an organization, then you can go to the board and say, we need to develop some systems, some structures, some guidelines, some policies uh, to help us in this area. It is an area of ambiguity. It is an area we are finding difficulties. And therefore, the board then develops policies uh, mm. in that regard. But the CEO cannot check the, the board. board. Yeah, the board checks the CEO. The CEO and the CEO checks the staff. The CEO checks the staff. And the shareholders, the members check, check the board. the board. Yes. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> We, we we should have talked about some the specifics of such checks and balances. Is that where we pick it up next time? If we want us, we can go back there. All right. Yes. Yeah, because I was thinking that something like AGMs would would come up somewhere here. The AGM is the members and the shareholders. Stakeholder. Yes. Oh, shareholders. The shareholders would have an annual general meeting something like that. Yeah. The members of the organization will have an annual general meeting at which the, the board gives a report okay. on the performance of the organization or the company and they ask relevant questions. Mm. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Join us next week, same time, for another episode of the, the Leadership, Leadership Forum. Forum.